Good morning. You guys ready to have a little fun? <laughs> welcome. Welcome to all of you here uh, in Waukesha. Uh, welcome to River Glen. Welcome to everyone who's watching on online. Uh, welcome to everyone who might be listening to the podcast. They have no idea. Uh, of course, a great big welcome to all my friends over in Pewaukee this morning. I hope you guys are having a great weekend. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Jason. I get the great privilege to serve as the pastor of our incredible campus over in Pewaukee. And we are in our first big series of the summer called Bless, How to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. And this, this series is based on a book uh, by Dave and John Ferguson. There are a couple of pastors at a big church over in Chicago. Great book to read. If you're looking for something to uh, add to your summer reading list, I encourage you to pick up a copy of this. But the heart of this series comes from a verse all the way back in Genesis, where God chooses a man named Abraham, and he tells him, I am going to bless you. And in turn, you're going to have a chance to bless everyone around you. Well, in the context that we're exploring in this series, that same promise applies to all of us. We have been blessed, and in turn, we get a chance now to be a blessing to all the people in our lives. And if you haven't yet, Make sure you pick up a copy of one of these bless cards and fill out the back as we go along. It kind of serves as a roadmap to all the things we're going to be talking about over these five weeks. Now, last week, Ben kicked us off with the B in bless, which is to begin with prayer. Now, if you did that, if you prayed, then don't be surprised when God answers your prayer and gives you an opportunity to live out the second letter of bless. And we want to guess what that is. Shot in the dark, anybody. Call it out over in Pewaukee. What is it? I can't hear you. <laughs> yes. The L in bless stands for listen. I had a mentor that used to tell me, had to tell me more than once, unfortunately, but he would say, Jason, you were born with two ears and only one mouth, and they should be used in that proportion. <laughs> right? And that's a good word. That's a good word because the question of the day is this. How can we bless others by listening better? That's what we're going to be taking a look at. And I came across this story in the news recently. Maybe you saw this. This was kind of a big deal. Uh, I think it perfectly illustrates just how critical it is to be a great listener. Take a look at this. The voice you're hearing is not a pilot, but a passenger radioing for help. Audio captured from Live ATC details the communications between the plane, a Cessna caravan, and the control tower at Fort Pierce in Florida. 333 Lima Delta, Roger, what's your position? Air traffic controller Robert Morgan was on break from working in the tower when his colleague said he needed to come back fast. There's a passenger flying a plane that's not a pilot and the pilot's incapacitated. So they said we need to try to help them land the plane. Morgan is a 20-year veteran controller, but also a certificated flight instructor with 1,200 hours flying experience. What was the situation with the pilot? He is incoherent. He is out. Number three, Lehman Delta. Roger, uh, try to hold the wings level and see if you can start uh, descending for me. Uh, push forward on the uh, controls and uh, descend at a very slow rate. Controller Morgan had not flown the specific type of plane, so he pulled up this photo of the layout of the instrument panel and talked the passenger through it step by step. I knew the plane's flying like any other plane. I just had to keep them calm, point them to the runway, and just tell them how to reduce the power so they could descend to land. Morgan's instruction paid off, guiding the flight to a landing at Palm Beach. 
Aviation experts call it a remarkable feat that left other flights listening in stunned, including a commercial pilot waiting for takeoff. Did you say the passengers landed the airplane? That's correct. Oh my gosh, yeah, no. No, great job. No flying experience. We got a controller that worked them down, that's a flight instructor. After the landing, Morgan left the tower and went out to the ramp to meet his newest student pilot that he taught to land without ever getting in the plane. Wow, right? So let me ask you, could you land that plane? <laughs> let me ask you a better question. Could you be that good of a listener? Right? Of course you could. If it was life or death, if any one of us was in that situation, of course we'd be a great listener. <laughs> I love the idea how crazy it would be. You're up there, you're in the plane, you got the headset on, you're trying to fly this thing. You tell the air control tower, hey, hold on a second, I just gotta, I'm just gotta update my Facebook real quick here. <laughs> Status, um, falling from the sky, right? <laughs> no way. We would listen better than we've ever listened in our lives. And that's the point, Darren's experience gives us all a great reminder of just how critical it is to be a great listener. Now, thankfully, none of us will probably ever have to land a plane, but that doesn't mean we don't have opportunities every day to bless the people in our lives by listening better. James, the brother of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, had these words to say about the value of listening. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I love that he starts off saying, take note of this. It's like he's saying, hey, hey, write this one down. This one's important. <laughs> Everyone should be quick to listen. Now, a thousand years before that, King Solomon, who was in history as the wisest king that ever lived, had these words to say about listening. He says, fools, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Does that sound like anybody you know? Right? Let's have a little fun with this. Do me a favor. Turn to the person in the row next to you, look them in the eye and say, don't be a fool. Please do that now. <laughs> now, here's why this is so important right? for all of us, all of us here in Waukesha, everyone online, all my friends in Pewaukee. Here's why this is so important, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not interested in this whole blessed thing. Here's why. The quality of our relationships always comes down to the quality of our communication. It always does. Every relationship we have, the ones that are in good health and the ones that aren't. Think about the married couple. Now, they don't know how to talk anymore. All they know how to do is fight. Or think about the parent that's trying so hard to connect with her teenager and just keeps hitting a wall. Think about the family who's got a loved one in crisis and they don't know how to connect with them and help them. Right? Or maybe it's none of those things. On the flip side, maybe it's just as simple as the new neighbor who moved in down the street, or the new person who started at the office, and you don't know how to begin to have a relationship with them. I know for a lot of us, it could be that friend or family member who we love so much, who we so badly want to share our faith with them, we just don't know how to open the door to that. The quality of our relationships always comes down to the quality of our communication, and at least half of all communication is what? Listening. That's why this is so important. Author and PhD David Augsburger said it so well for all of us. He says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. And I know a lot of you know exactly what he's talking about. So if that's true, then being a better listener really is our way to bless the other people in our lives. And it's an opportunity to improve every relationship we have. Now that sounds pretty good. And do you know who was awesome at this? 
I mean, you know who was and is an incredible listener? Anytime a pastor asks a rhetorical question from stage, nine times out of 10, the answer is always who? Jesus, that's right, Jesus. Jesus was an incredible listener. He was an incredible teacher, of course, right? I mean, the four gospels record his teaching, which I mean, it changed the world. I mean, his teaching ultimately shaped what we call Western civilization. So clearly he was a great teacher, but if we go back and we look at the pages of scripture and we look at some of the times where he talked to people, we see very clearly Jesus was a great listener. He listened to people. He looked them in the eye. He gave them the gift of his attention. He knew that to love people well means you have to listen to them. And so Jesus didn't just love people with his words and his teaching. He didn't just love people with his miracles. Jesus gave all of us a great model to follow, to love, love with our ears, to love people by listening. And so we're going to take a look at one of these conversations. It's this high-stakes conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And I want you to know right off the bat, or see right off the bat, Jesus listened first. He didn't lecture him. He didn't preach at him. He didn't correct him. He listened. And in this conversation, Jesus helps this man understand what a life of faith looks like and how the door is open for him and what it means to be a member of God's kingdom. And so we're going to parachute into this conversation, John chapter 3, and we hear this, this conversation between Jesus and this man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader at the time, and he came from a religious family, right? And he was a Pharisee, which meant he had a lot of knowledge <laughs> about all things with regards to the church. And Nicodemus, like a lot of us, had this misunderstanding that he thought he and God were on good terms because he was a good person and because he came from a religious family. But Jesus had a, a different message than that. Jesus came to teach a message about personal decision and personal faith. And that was just different. It was different than what Nicodemus had been taught. It was different than what the other religious leaders had been taught. And so this made Nicodemus feel very restless in his faith. Anybody else ever feel restless in their faith? Right? We all have. So Nicodemus feels restless in his faith. And he decides one night, you know what? I'm going to go have a conversation with Jesus about it. On a side note, anytime you ever feel restless in your faith, having a conversation with Jesus is always a good idea, right? So that's what this conversation is. Starting at verse 1, we're going to put the, the words up on the screen for you to follow along. It starts here. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now Nicodemus was an important guy, right? He was a leader in the church, which means he had authority. Right? He was probably very well educated, probably not doing too bad financially either, right? He was an important guy, but understand... That's not why Jesus listened to him. Because we got all other different examples in Scripture of where Jesus had conversations with people that weren't that important and weren't that educated and weren't that wealthy. Part of being a great listener is making the other person feel important and viewing them as important regardless of where they come from. So verse 2, it goes on. It says, this man came to Jesus by night. I don't know about you. I just, I like that little detail. <laughs> John probably didn't have to include that in his account of the story, but he did. I just think that's interesting. So imagine this, right? You're in bed. The day's over, right? You're in your jammies. You've had your tea. You watch Jimmy Fallon. Everything's done. Door is locked. You're in bed. That's when Nicodemus comes and knocks on the door. <laughs> Isn't that great? Anyone ever been interrupted before? Right? Part of being a great listener is just simply being available, even when it's inconvenient. And that's certainly the case here. So let's hear what the conversation says. Nicodemus starts. He says, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus' teaching and his signs that he'd been performing were a means to communicate he really was the Son of God, sent to earth on a mission, and that through him was an invitation for all of us to be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But understand, here's the key. Jesus listened first to the words coming out of Nicodemus' mouth. He heard the words coming out of his mouth, but more importantly, he heard what was behind those words. Jesus heard that there was a man in front of him in pain, a man who was restless. He heard in this statement a longing deep inside him where Nicodemus, what he's really asking is, hey, Jesus, how can I find my way back to God? I really want to live a life of faith. I just don't know how. How can I find my way back to God? And that's a question we all ask it sometimes, right? Well, listen to how Jesus answers. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is explaining to him that a relationship with our Heavenly Father is not something that can be bought. It's not something that can be earned. It's not something you can be born into, right? A relationship with the Father only comes one way, and that's by being born again. Now, if you're like Nicodemus, and you're like me, and you're like a lot of us, that's a confusing statement, isn't it? That's just not how we talk, right? Born again. What does that mean to be born again? I love this next verse because you can, if you listen, you kind of hear the snark in it. There's almost a little bit of sarcasm in this story, which is, again, one of the things I love about Scripture. It's so raw and it's so real. So Nicodemus says to him, born again? What are you talking about? Nicodemus says, Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's ridiculous. Right? He's saying, Jesus, what you just said is not physically possible. I don't understand. And I get this. Outside of the physical limitations, what's Nicodemus really saying? I think he's saying the same things that a lot of us say when we're faced with the invitation to be born again. What do we say? We say things like, not me. Wouldn't work. Doesn't count. I've made too many mistakes. Or the mistakes I've made are too awful. That invitation doesn't apply to me. I got too much pain, too much shame, too much regret. It's too late. There's no hope for me. And in the next verse, Jesus answers every single one of those rebuttals. He just says this again, truly, truly, which means pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's saying, listen, nobody's hopeless. Regardless of what your past says, no one's hopeless. If you want to be born again, it's real simple. Two things. Be born of water and the Spirit. Now, here's what that means. That means first we need to repent, which is kind of a Bible term. It just means to acknowledge the sins in our lives and then turn away from them, to walk a different path from now on, right? And when we've done that, to ask God to forgive us of our sins and wash them away from us. That's what the water part is, the washing away of our sins from the past. The Spirit is the second part, and that's the promise we get that after we've been forgiven, that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. And he's who transforms us and makes us into a new person and guides us every day on our faith journey. He's saying it just comes down to this. To be born again, we need to be forgiven of our sin and to receive the Holy Spirit. As I can tell, 
as we're tracking along, these are big concepts, right? These are big ideas, probably new things that Nicodemus had ever heard before. And so this conversation between the two of them continues on. It actually goes on for several more verses. And Jesus just keeps listening and replying and listening and replying. And you kind of fast forward to the end of the passage, verse 16. Jesus, that's kind of where he just lays out the bottom line. It's a verse you might recognize. He's saying, look, Nicodemus, here's all you need to know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, regardless of your past, regardless how many mistakes you've made, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the promise. That's why we call it the good news. He's saying, look, everybody's born once, and that was not our choice. But everybody's made mistakes and gone our own way. That was our choice. He says, but God, in his eternal love for us, he's made a choice to open up an invitation to all of us to be born again. And that's a choice we all have to make. That's the snapshot we get into this conversation. 2,000 years ago, Jesus and this man have this conversation. Out of it, we get, I think it's probably the most famous Bible verse ever written, right? But also we get a window into what it looks like to be a great listener. We get to see what happens when we choose to be a great listener. Jesus listened to him. And he didn't just listen to the words coming out of his mouth. He listened to the pain and the restlessness in his heart. He heard a man in front of him who was just longing to live a life of faith. He just didn't know where to begin. Jesus took the time to listen to him. Why? Because he loved him. And that is the example for all of us to follow. As we call ourselves followers of Jesus, right, one of the aspects of that is to listen to people. And so our bottom line, the L in bless, just comes down to this. To listen is to love. To listen is to love. When we improve our listening, we will literally improve every relationship in our lives. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So in the few minutes we have left, we're going to take a look at how. All right, how do we do this? How do we actually get better at this? And how do we really bless the people in our lives and improve all of our relationships by being a better listener? We're going to look at three levels of listening. Anybody can do any of these three levels, and anybody can improve at any of these three levels. And the first one is simply this. First level of listening is to listen with our eyes. To listen with our eyes, which just means to give people our attention. I should say better, give people our undivided attention, which isn't always easy, is it? I'm just as guilty. I am ashamed to say I'm not great at this. Uh, I'm just as guilty as probably anybody with getting distracted. And when I get distracted, it means I'm not a great listener. In fact, this, this is an actual coffee mug my wife bought me for Father's Day two years ago. I need to pay closer attention to stuff. Found out today my wife and I have different names for the cat. <laughs> True story. Guilty as charged. All right, so this first level of listening, to listen with our eyes, guys, this is tough. It's tough to bless someone with our attention because it forces us to acknowledge the number one competitor for our attention. Do you know what that is? I know you do. It's in your pocket. Or if you're not listening to me right now, it's in your hand. <laughs> Right? It's that tiny little digital devil we take with us everywhere we go. I came across this statistic this week. I found it interesting. Maybe you'll think it's interesting. They say in 2022, the average American will spend just under three hours a day on our phones. Not including the time we spent using it for work. That's just leisure time. 
just under three hours a day, which means if you multiply that out, by the end of the year, the average American will spend 44 consecutive days staring at our phones. Now, that's not what's scary. What's scary, you guys, is that that's the average number, which means half of Americans aren't quite that bad, and the other half are what? Worse, right? You know who I'm talking about. Easy does it on the elbows out there. This just became a full-contact church service, didn't it? <laughs> right? Either way, we can do better than this. I love the way my favorite author talks about this. He says, one of the greatest gifts you can give anyone is the gift of attention. And that's true, but it's also hard. I know it's hard. I'm busy. You're busy. To give someone else our time and attention, it costs something, doesn't it? Maybe that's why we use the phrase, pay attention. I don't know. Maybe that's why they say that, right? So maybe this is just as simple as setting up a couple of boundaries. I'll give you an example of some that we use in my house. One of the rules we have in my house is that we say, no tech at the table. No technology at the table. If we're at the table, we pay attention to the people at the table. All the technology is put away or turned off. I try to do the same thing when I meet with somebody. If I have coffee or if I have lunch with someone, I try to remember to keep my phone in my pocket. So it's not a distraction for either one of us if I leave it out on the table, right? You can do this. Come up with your own. Find any boundary that will help protect your focus. Because the bottom line is the first level of listening is to listen with our eyes and make the people in the room feel more important than the people in our phones. Does that sound good? I know, that stings a little bit. I got to just take a breather here for that one. It stings me too, believe me. All right. So that was the first level of listening. Second level of listening, after we give someone our, the gift of our attention, the second level of listening is to listen with our minds. And that just means to listen for understanding. Sometimes we think that listening just means I'm waiting for my turn to talk. <laughs> and that's not exactly the case. Great listening means listening for discovery. And you say, discover? Discover what? Everything. That's what's great about this, right? People are fascinating if you just listen to them. Right? When we listen for discovery, we learn all sorts of things. We discover their story or their dreams or their hopes or desires or fears or anxieties or ideas or perspectives. People are fascinating if we'll just listen. To listen for understanding means to listen so well that in the end, you could actually recite the other person's story if you had to. That's what I'm talking about. And one of the best breakthroughs in this level of listening comes from an author named Stephen Covey. And he talks about meeting a really frustrated father one day. This man had a, a terrible relationship with his teenage son, fighting all the time, tense, defensive, walls were up. Maybe some of you who are parents of teenagers can relate, right? Well, as this man is describing this dysfunctional relationship we had with his son, or he had with his son, he said this line. And I want you to listen to it and think, have you ever said anything like this? And then I want you to think, what's wrong with this phrase? He says to Stephen Covey, I don't understand my son. He won't listen to me. Do you ever say anything like that? Maybe take the word son out and put something else there. I don't understand my wife. She won't listen to me. Or I don't understand my boss or my dad or my brother or neighbor, right? I don't understand them. They won't listen to me. What's wrong with that? It's in the wrong order, isn't it? Well, Covey teaches that the reason this man couldn't connect with his son is because he had the wrong posture. 
He teaches that being a great listener means listening first to understand the other person before you go through the effort to try to get them to understand you. We do this by listening and asking questions and keep asking questions until we get a full picture of where the other person is coming from. If you think about it, this is exactly what Jesus did with Nicodemus that night. He listened until he understood the deepest concerns of his heart. Right? This is exactly, too, what the authors of the Bless book challenge every single one of us to do. If we really want to get serious about this and bless the people in our lives, they say this. If you want to love your neighbors and bless the people God puts in your path, you have to become intentional about listening and listening to understand. Does that make sense? All right, so we got the first two down. Level one, listen with our eyes, give people our attention. Level two, listening, listen with our minds and ask questions until we understand. That brings us to the third level, the highest level of listening, which is to listen with our hearts. Remember, to listen is to love, right? This level of listening puts us in a position to value the other person and to genuinely long for their best and their benefit. This is the level of listening when we begin to feel compassion and empathy for the other person. Do you guys remember what the definition of empathy is? Empathy is when we actually begin to feel what the other person is feeling. The only way to get there is through this level of listening. When I want to go to this level with somebody, we'll go out for coffee and we'll sit down and I'll say, hey, I got, I got two questions for you. And they'll say, what's that? I'll say, how you doing? And how you doing really? Right? Because to the first one, we all say the same thing. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm cool. I'm great. But the second one demands what's really going on, right? It's a deeper answer. The truth is down there somewhere. It says, how you doing really? And I only ask that because I really care. I want to know what's really going on. How are you really coping with life right now? Because I want to go there with you. And if you think about it, this is exactly how our Heavenly Father knows us and listens to us. Psalm 139 has this beautiful passage where it talks about this very thing. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That's some high-level listening right there, right? Well, I want to share with you a, kind of a practical example of what it looks like when we love people with our hearts. Many years ago, there was a team of Christian missionaries here, from here in the States, and they got all fired up, right? They got, they got trained up, and they got prayed up, and they raised up a whole bunch of money, and they got called to go serve on a mission trip to reach the unreached communities way out in the back half of India. And so this team got all fired up. They got all packed up. They, 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 got, they got excited. They got excited about the blessed book before it was ever written. They really did want to love their neighbor and change the world. So they packed up and they flew for what probably seemed like an eternity. Finally get off the buses there in this tiny little remote Indian village. And they began communicating, right? They had some translators there and probably a whole lot of patience. <laughs> and they began to communicate their desire to be a blessing for this community. And you got to understand, they're fired up, right? They've waited months and months for this thing. They're ready to move mountains. So they're starting to have this conversation, and they, they offer this village and say, hey, guys, what if we could build you a school? Right, a beautiful building with all these rooms and all the wisdom of the world, and we can educate your children. 
and teach them and give them a world-class education. What do you think about that? And the villagers, they, they understood what they were saying and they started having conversations back and forth and a couple of them started looking kind of confused. And finally, one of them spoke up through the translator and says, I don't think we need a school. I mean, every, every family here is responsible for educating their own children. We, we teach them our values and our, our culture and we, we teach them all the different ways of the world and I, I think we're doing pretty good. I, I, don't, I really don't think we need a school. They said, okay, okay, never mind the school. What about this? What if we could build you a hospital, right? We'll build a hospital for you. And we, it's a place where we'll, we're, we'll promote, promote wellness and health and well-being and we'll eradicate disease and we'll give everyone a, a healthy lifestyle. What do you think about that? And again, they started talking back and forth and they were kind of pointing at each other a little bit. And finally one of them said, I, I don't know if we need a hospital, we already have people in our village here who, who understand medicine and they help us when we're sick and they, they give us the remedies we need and we've, we've all got a pretty healthy lifestyle. I mean, we're all on an organic diet, so right? I don't know that we need a hospital. They say, okay, forget the school, forget the hospital. What about this? What about this? What if we built you a food bank? They say, what's a food bank? They said, a food bank, right? A place, a, a building full of food, floor to ceiling, wall to wall, so no one has to go hungry. So no one ever has to suffer the pain of food insecurity. What do you think about that? And they started talking back and forth, and a couple of them started giggling. Finally, one of them says, well, every family here has a, has a farm. <laughs> we have more than enough food. We have enough food to go around. I don't think we need a food pantry. And you're starting to feel what this team of missionaries is feeling. They're starting to get concerned that they literally flew to the other side of the world to help a village full of people that doesn't need any help. <laughs> but here's where this gets so good. Instead of getting frustrated, they took a page out of Jesus' book. They followed Jesus' example, and before they loved with their hands by serving, they stood still, and they loved with their ears, and they listened. They said, hey, we came all this way. We love you guys. We just want to serve. Help us understand, how can we bless your community? And the answer they got back shocked them. The villagers just said to them, well, we would really love it if you could give us a mailbox. <laughs> they said, I said, well, a mailbox? They said, yeah, we would really love it if you guys could find a way to get us a mailbox. And these missionaries are thinking, all the money we raised and all the training we took and all the miles we traveled and all you guys want is a mailbox? <laughs> Right? But you got to understand, to a tiny remote village in the back half of India, a mailbox is more than just a mailbox. And it was only when this team of missionaries, filled up on the Holy Spirit, called out on a mission, took the time to listen with their eyes and listen with their minds and then listen with their hearts, that they discovered the greatest and deepest longing of this little community. You see, a mailbox would finally get their little town recognized by the Indian government. It would literally put their town on the map, so to speak. More than just being able to send and receive letters, having a mailbox would open up their tiny village to all of the communication and all of the infrastructure available to them by their federal government. That's what a mailbox can do. And so now, now the team's got a mission. And they went to work. And it turns out all the money they raised, all the training they took, and all the time they put in, they needed it. Because it took this team two full years 
to move through the process and finally get this little village a mailbox. But they did it. And the rest is history. And so what do we learn from this? We learn that to listen is to love. To listen is to love. And when we improve our listening, we really can love our neighbors and change the world. And here's where this gets so exciting for all of us. Because everyone that we know has a mailbox. Everybody that we know, anybody that we'll ever meet has some kind of a mailbox deep inside them that they just so badly want to let out and share if someone will just listen. Everyone's got a dream or hope or desire or burden or idea or perspective or story or something inside. Some people, their mailbox is just the deep need for community again. The world is a lonely place right now. For some people, their mailbox is just a deep need for some compassion and some support because they're going through a really hard time. Most of us know somebody in a situation like that. I'll tell you, for a lot of people we know, you guys, a lot of our friends and loved ones and the people we meet, their mailbox is a deep longing inside of them just to believe in something again. With all the uncertainty and all the mistrust and all the pain we've been through in the last two years, most people you know are just longing for something worthy to put their faith in again, just like Nicodemus. Everyone that we know has got a mailbox just waiting to be discovered by someone willing to listen. And here's where this gets very challenging for us. Because sometimes Christians are known for having big mouths. It's true, right? But what if we could change all that? What if instead of known, being known for having big mouths, <laughs> what if we became known for having big ears instead? What if the church was known for loving people the way Jesus loved them and loving with our ears? What if we really valued other people enough to give them our attention? And what if we listened to discover their stories and discover their history and where they came from before we try to get them to understand ours? And what if when we listened, we listened with our hearts and we let ourselves be moved by compassion and empathy so that we could be moved to love and serve them? You know what would happen? We really would change the world. To listen is to love. It really is that simple. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for preserving this story for thousands of years so we could sit here today and listen to it. And we could see the example of Jesus and what a great listener he was. As he shared not only how to connect with this man Nicodemus, but he gave us all the hope that we all so desperately need. God, I thank you that what we learned today is that you are a great listener. God, thank you for the model that you give us, always being available. Your ears are always open, God. There's never a day where you're busy and distracted checking Facebook when we call out to you. God, you are always listening. And you hear us. And you hear us even when our prayers don't make any sense. You understand the deepest longings of our heart. God, thank you for that. And God, it's in recognition of that that, that we, we sit here today here in Waukesha and online and, and over in Pewaukee, and we just ask you for your help, that through your spirit, you would help us to be better listeners, that we would follow the example of Jesus and love the people in our lives with our ears, 
before we love them with our hands or our words. God, it's not always easy to do, so that's why we ask for your help. I pray that the people in our lives, our friends, our family, our loved ones, and the people in our lives who you want us to connect with and reach would feel loved and valued and heard because we are good listeners. I pray for that, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.